0: The Longhorn live stream Sunday night presented by the Cross Oak Group. I've got uh, Rod Babers and Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas and on Texas football, as well as on three sports alongside. Uh, guys, uh, the Longhorns are now 1-0. That's official. Uh, it was a 37-10 uh, victory for Texas. Uh, the first half felt like the offense slipped slip walk a little bit. Second half, they picked it up. Quinn Ewers uh, orchestrating three consecutive TD drives. Uh, but I tell you what, uh, the defense ruled the day for the Longhorns. Uh, as UT Mark says, ugly win, but still a win uh, for <laughs> Texas. Uh, Rod, Jerry, your initial thoughts of this game. Uh, Rod, you and I talked for a couple hours afterwards. Uh, what, have you, what are you thinking now that you slept on it a little bit?
1: Um, yeah, I, I, and listen, I, I actually still, I, I'm more in love with the defensive performance now after I rewatched it because they played so many guys. To have that level of performance playing so many different players, uh, what is it, 12 different defensive linemen? They said they rotated in there. Uh, the DBs, they played a ton of different DBs. I mean, I was checking the depth chart, checking the roster uh, to try to see guys, different numbers, uh, to try to recognize guys. So I think considering how many guys they played on defense and what they were able to do and how they were able to limit Rice, uh, I think that was even more impressive. I, I say only one thing. There was one concept that worked. Uh, For Rice versus the Texas defense, that was it. It was empty formation. That was about it. After that, that was all they had. And honestly, that wasn't consistent. That was just like that. Every now and then, that would get them some yards, positive yards. But other than that, that's about it. That worked, and they broke one or two. But that Texas defense was stifling, Uh, and it was just in time for Bama, baby. They gonna need.
0: (laughs) Rod's already looking
1: forward. He's already. Are you? Have you
0: started your film study yet, Rod?
1: I have not. That's tonight. I'm staying up late tonight, going to watch Bama. Also, I'm checking on Tommy Reese. I'm going to watch some of that. So I'm doing Bama's offense. I'm going to do that tonight. So by the time we do talking ball and football theory, we're going to be ready to go. All
0: right, I got you. Yeah. Jerry, uh, you and I talked a little bit this afternoon. You were still up in Austin. Uh, I got you while you were still on campus. Uh, the players were walking by Jerry as we were doing our, our piece today. Uh, Jerry, uh, you know you had the, the drive home today. Any, any additional thoughts for you?
2: Yeah, not really. Um, I, I just remain. Well, I'm more looking ahead already. But interior <laughs> offensive line, interior offensive line has to play a much cleaner, better game next week. Else, else Texas is in trouble. Um, that's bottom line.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, now, uh, there will be some people say, "Well, they held back wrinkles." True, but they didn't win at the point of attack. They, they got confused, Rod. When you watch that back. Did Rice not attack the guards with the twists and stunts in, in the in the blitz game?
1: Yeah. I mean, Jerry, I, you, I've talked about it with you guys uh, different times on different shows. I went back and watched all the sacks prior to you know us uh, doing the show. I went and watched all the sacks from last season. And the the best defensive game plan in terms of pressure packages and trying to confuse Texas pass protections was that Baylor game versus Dave Randall last season. I brought it up multiple times and all people are like, man, this guy's a broken record. He keeps bringing it up. The reason I keep bringing it up is because they had five sacks and they use basically a lot of these simulated pressures, which is when you kind of line six, seven guys up on the line of scrimmage. It could be eight if you want, but the offensive line doesn't know who's coming, who's going. So you show you can show six, show seven, but bring four drop three they never know which four or which three and that's still working because it worked in that game and also you brought up jerry they also add twists and stunts to that uh with blitzes from the second level uh that makes it tougher for the offensive line so anything that makes the offensive line any of these concepts that makes the offensive line have to communicate post snap and have to pass off pass rushers in pass protection they struggle with it. And that could be twists and stunts. That could be blitzes from the second level. That can be amoeba fronts or what you call ghost fronts where you got, you know, seven, eight guys, to the line of scrimmage, some in two points, some in three points. And also the simulated pressures where it looks like a blitz. It smells like a blitz. It, it, it talks like a blitz, walks like a blitz, but it actually ain't a blitz. It's a simulated <laughs> pressure. Only four guys are coming. They just don't know which four. So uh, it happened yeah. in the Baylor game, Jerry, and it happened in this game too. And that's Rice. I guarantee you, Nick Saban, licking his chops. Licking I, his
0: chops. I, hey, guys, I want to go over. We're going to take some questions from the audience again tonight because uh, I think this is now time to talk a little bit about the, the Rice game. Also look forward, uh, Florida State, for those of you watching that game, uh, up early on LSU, uh, 7 to nothing. Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, Seminoles look good early. LSU does
2: not. That's early, right? Uh, so you yeah. lsu was very successful right. successful first two offensive plays then they got inside the 10 and they couldn't get a push up front that they had some issues running the ball when they got inside the 10 yard line they they went down the field that first drive but once they got inside the 10 that offensive line did not get a push in the end zone 7-7 lsu scored i, I lsu had guys wide open in the passing game on that first drive
0: oh it's 7-7 now i'm sorry i i I oh that's that fast. I started it off. Okay, gotcha. Hey, I want to say this real quick, guys. Uh you mentioned some other notes uh from yesterday. Dave Aranda rod. Ooh. He may be a defensive wizard, but he also took a <laughs> took an L to the mighty <laughs> Bobcats of Texas State. Uh Joey McGuire, Joey the mouth, McGuire. That's his that's, that's his wrestling name. That's what Brett Yormark calls <laughs> Joey McGuire. Joey the mouth. <laughs> he, he took an L in Laramie. Oh. Um, you know, so let's let's be clear. Uh, for anybody, for anybody,
2: for anybody asking, I'm not changing my Micah Hudson RPM to Wyoming. Okay, I'm not changing <laughs> <it> to Wyoming. <laughs> I can guarantee you, Micah
1: Hudson got a couple
2: of calls today.
1: <laughs> I will say in our preview, I told y'all that Wyoming defense. It actually ain't. I'm telling you, it's, it's a right. it's a pretty good defense. One of the best defenses in that conference. Just throw it out there. We yeah, very talked about di- that briefly. There you go.
0: Hey Rod, very disciplined. I thought. Yeah, they are. Dis- awesome. yeah, yeah, really work. It's not their, their talent's not going to shock and no. awe you, but very disciplined defense. Uh, hey, let's talk a little bit the long, Longhorns. I, I had some notes that I have not mentioned yet that I want to bring up to you guys. One of the things that we harped on in the offseason was Steve Sarkeesian not sputtering. No, not too many consecutive three and outs, right? Okay. Texas, uh, I, I believe they had eleven. I got to figure out the possess, number of possessions here, but they only had two three and outs, and actually both of them were four and outs. Four and outs. I was going to say yeah, yeah, three and exactly. Four so, and outs. Yep. But they only had two. Right. Okay. That's not bad at all. I'm looking at it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve possessions. So two of twelve were, were three and outs. Rod, I remember and recall you saying you only want one or two, but never that many back-to-back. Neither of them were back-to-back.
1: Yep, because that means you're in a rut, right? That's officially now you're in a rut in a sense, and you don't want to be there offensively. Uh, So I I think that's what Sark's trying to avoid. One thing, and I heard this stat on LHN, uh, when it came to third down and yards to gain, I think that's a concern because uh, according to Longhorn Network, that that was eight. Eight plus yards to gain on third down, you want to stay away from third and long versus Alabama. Um, and you talked about this, Jerry, even to start this season. You said one of your keys was got to win on first down. Did they win on first down a lot? That's got to be key. Um, did that's a that's another big thing today because I don't know if if eight plus yards to gain, uh, on average on your third downs is winning on first down to make it easier on yourself. And sorry, by the way, here we go. Going back to Sark, I know I'm going to open up this can of worms. We might as well do it. He also, because of his 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 play calling DNA, all right, his play calling character, and he is he's a brilliant play caller. Uh, but hell, even brilliant people, right? They they have they have different you know liabilities in their skill set. He wants to throw the ball deep, and he wants to do it on first down a lot. And it's it's okay to throw the ball deep, we get it, but I think you know where he takes those shots within the drive. Needs to be reconsidered, guys. I went and did the math because you guys know I'm all about it. I went and did the stats. I went and looked through all my notes. And I went deep, did the deep dive and went and looked at the percentage of deep balls uh, and, and what down the most deep balls were thrown for Texas last season. On first down last season, 48% of Texas deep balls came on first down. So, damn near half day, D-ball is going to come on first down. Great stats, Rod. So, and I, will, I had, a, I had a, a, a coach friend of mine, he, talk, he once told me, he's like, man, listen, the point of, of, of first down is really to set the tone. The point of second down is to get a manageable third down. The point of third down is to get the first down. <laughs> he said, but first down is all about you kind of setting the tone as a play caller. And what you want to do, maybe you want to get back to the run, maybe hey, you know what, man, you know what? I'm trying to, I'll get my get my quarterback in a rhythm. It could be whatever, whatever your you know mission is on first down. And for Sark, he's all about instilling fear in the defense. And he wants to strike fear in them with the deep ball. So it's a psychological motive. But man, when they don't hit and you get your quarterback behind the chains and your office behind the chains, you ain't got Bijan and Rojo to bail you out.
0: I, I look at it and I'm, and I'm, I can say, you said Stark can be brilliant. Yes. I wrote down, I've, I know some brilliant people that can also be stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's like, you, you could also have a guy that scores a 1600 on the SAT and doesn't know how to tie his shoes. I'm not saying that's Stark's problem by any means, right? I'm just saying you can be brilliant, but stubborn. I, I only say this, and it, I took this from Sark's post-game press conference, Okay. He clearly wanted to show that he could win a game several different ways. I mean, he came out and he wasn't, he didn't mince words. He's like, look, we're going to have to win games different ways with different plays and different people. We got to prove that. So I don't think he was really, we know it was vanilla, right? We all agree with that. He was saying without saying it, look, I'm not showing anybody anything in this one. We're going to have to go out and win games like this because you know, you got to keep something, you got to keep some arrows in the quiver. Agreed. So I, I would say that for, for Sark's uh, standpoint, uh, just to give him a, 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 a hat tip of sorts. Hey, I want to say thank you to one of our sponsors here real quick, if you guys don't mind. Uh, and that is our friends over at um, the Crossout Group. Uh, the Crossout Group is a political consulting lobbying firm uh, based in Austin. Uh, if you are interested uh, or need, your business needs help, uh, with government uh, political lobbying, whatever you might need, uh, they are the guys to go to. Uh, e- uh, email them at info at cross oak or go to crossoakgroup.com to learn more. From the state house to the White House, they've helped people across the great state of Texas uh, get in front of uh, folks in uh, the government. All right, guys, let's let's talk about this. Uh, some other things I had here. 24 first downs to eight. Okay. How many of those eight came on the last series? Too? Oh, yeah. F- oh, four. Maybe four of them. Great point. Hey, but this is the question for me. Time of possession, only 31 minutes for Texas and, and 28 for Rice. That that seems like an odd stat. That you know, Sark has had issues with time of possession, particularly in Big 12 play. And I mean that I'm not trying to say he's had problems with it like it's this huge detriment that could have been really bad in a hot summer day it could be bad in Tuscaloosa if you leave your field on defense on the field too often is there anything to that Rod or Jerry in y'all's opinion or is that just me making too much out of the stats and uh, as Will Muschamp says stats can say anything you want them to What, what, what what's your thoughts Jerry
2: well, I, I I think they part of the time a lack of time of possession was um, they struggled to run the ball early in the game. I mean they had a play advantage, right? Somebody just said, was it just me or was Cedric Baxter about to go for hundred plus? He was getting hot when he when he got injured. And I, I think there's some truth to that. Now um, they're going to get him going a little bit, but I, I think look, that was that was not a game. You know the kind of the things, two things I wanted to see out of Texas yesterday were. Dominate both lines of scrimmage from the start against lesser opponents. I, I don't care if Rice brought one too many, then you can block. I wanted your five that could block somebody to look dominant, and, and, and I didn't think Texas did in that in that regard in the run game. Uh, so I don't think they – because they didn't run it well early, they might have had a lot more plays, but they really didn't – weren't in a position or didn't do it they needed to to dominate the clock for me.
0: All right. I, I'm um, going to keep going here. Hey, we do not have I, an update at this time. I don't believe on Cedric Baxter's condition. Uh, just so people know that right now, uh, there may be something out there, but we can't confirm it at this point. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian said they were hoping for the best in the post game. Uh, they thought that, uh, that he thought he was going to be fine. Uh, but we do not know, uh, for sure. At least I don't, as we're going through this uh, live stream right now, we might know more tomorrow. Uh, when we get to that. All right, let's say uh, you guys want to take some questions and talk a little it. about football with folks. Let's do it. Right, let's start with E-Kim, because I thought this was a really good one. Best freshman performance
2: from Saturday's game. That one's easy. Not red shirt. True freshman's Manny Muhammad. All right.
1: Rod, that's you that's and Jerry, me. agree? That was mine right there. You know, I. Hey, Jerry, you told me to watch the high school, the film on him, and uh, it, it's, it translates, and I, all the reports that we heard – in about training camp and in the scrimmage by him being a ball hawk and havoc minded uh we saw in the game man he was close to them but he, he's sticky in coverage he really is he's gonna be close to a lot of footballs to make some plays man so I, and he's physical sark said that too sark said he was pleasantly surprised at how physical he is right. coming up to tackling the running game uh but even when he's coming up to tackle you know guys who catching passes underneath man he brings it um so i'm a big I, I, i'm a big fan i love me some terrence brooks too i thought uh, he played well uh, in terms of the corner. But in terms of freshmen, yeah, Manny Muhammad's that guy.
0: Hey, Jerry, going back to some some other, other guys that played, um, <laughs> Anthony Hill, Cedric Baxter, um, Derek Williams, all got on the field at regular position spots right. early. Uh, that Three of those guys on defense. They've got some guys coming on defense right now.
2: No doubt. Uh, And by the way, I think if Baxter hadn't got hurt, he probably would have been the answer to that question because he would have had 100 yards on that game. I don't think there's any doubt. Somebody's asking about Sadir. Look, I I think Sadir's kind of been a little hot and cold Uh, in the spring and a little bit this fall. We'll see if he plays as the season moves along and they get him a little bit more ready for that. Somebody's also saying that uh, Chip Brown is reporting that Baxter will play this week. Oh, awesome.
0: Awesome, good stuff from Chip there. Uh, hey uh, guys, uh, let's go to the next question here. King Me, in regards to strength of schedule, how much does the, do the TCU, Baylor, and Tech losses affect us? And which one was a shocker? Baylor, you know, Baylor was the biggest shocker to me because they were playing a F, they were playing a a team that just fired its previous head coach. I mean, right? Uh, GJ Kenny just took that program over um baylor in year was it three under Aranda or four they yeah. wanted they won a conference championship two years ago they're going the wrong direction Agreed. um i would say that baylor shocked me the most jerry
2: i think you might have a different answer one for this one though <laughs> well uh, well yeah tcu based on um i just look i, I always give credit and people think i don't like dion i love dion i work with him that they're on under all america game help run his Prime 21 camp for years. I just didn't think they had the guys up front. I just didn't. Um, there have been some coach uh NFL scouts that have rolled through there and rolled then to a couple other programs that said that they didn't think they had the guys up front. Um uh, but look, here's what Dion does: he gets guys to believe. Mm-hmm. He gets guys to believe. I mean, now Travis Hunter played 118 snaps Saturday. You can't do that all season. But that's a hell of a splash for Deion Sanders, the head coach. You can't play 118 snaps a game and make it through a college season as a corner wide out, 6 2, 170. I agree. Yeah. You can't but he, bad, got, bad. he got the goal accomplished. They beat yes. TCU. And that's a great win headed to the Big 12. And I'll tell you this their offensive coordinator had to call a hell of a game against TCU. They got a nice quarterback.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah they he, a nice he, quarterback. Sanders it's looked good. I'll say this too also. Um, uh, you know, to, to Jerry's point, if you look at you know that that roster, he brought on what 80 something new guys on that roster.
0: 67, yep.
1: Six, yeah, 67 or something. I mean, it was a crazy number. Um, and I and I was talking about this to uh, my man E. Hogan. Really, we've just never this is unprecedented. I mean, th- that's why I think people were doubting it. We've just never seen anything like it before. It wasn't possible up until like what two. Three years ago, transfer portal wasn't really a thing, and NIL wasn't a thing either. So we just hadn't seen it, and it was a bold move by Dion. And honestly, I don't know if a lot of t- teams can do that because he's a unicorn. I yep. mean, you're talking about one of the most, you know, um, recognizable names in all of sports, and he used it, man, and he, he did a great job. He pulled the upset, and I don't think uh, Travis Hunter's going to play that way in every game, just in the big games, right? Just right. on the ones that are nationally televised. They get another one next week. <laughs> exactly, so that he can put him into the Heisman conversation, yeah. and that's his goal—to put him in the Heisman conversation.
2: Hey, by well, the way, and Dion may be the first head coach in college football that's truly his own brand. Can y'all? I mean, Steve Spurrier would have been today a little bit maybe, but. Yeah. I don't know. Dion's pretty much his own brand. It's very he, he, he's he's great at it, Bobby. He's, he
0: has he's a different a style years. brand than than has been a head coach before. Yeah,
2: he's, he's the With first that. Pro
1: Football Hall of Famer to ever decide to coach in college. Yeah, when you're a Pro Football Hall of Famer, you can coach in the league. The league will let you do that. He went through college. They don't, you usually don't go that route. I think that's also unprecedented.
0: Yeah. Yep. Uh, good point. Uh, I wanted to mention one thing. I love Sonny Dykes' c- comment after the game on Travis Hunter playing 118 plays in that game? He goes, our players were having problems with cramps. I don't know what was going on with him. He's (laughs) like, we we need to do whatever he's doing. (laughs) They had guys, hey, to be fair, that TCU Colorado game, game, guys were splayed out on the field with cramps all game long. Rich Thompson really with the question probably of the weekend. If we all had to ask a single question, this is what we would ask. Quinn Ewer's lack of ability ability on long balls is very disconcerting. Yes, yes, for me. Uh, I thought he didn't step into them. I thought he was late on one. Uh, it was just a myriad of problems. It wasn't any one singular thing. Uh, a little late, a little uh, didn't take a hit, didn't step into it. It wasn't just one thing, and that's the problem. If you could point to one thing, hey, you got to step up and take a hit, you know, maybe he can fix that. If it's poor footwork, maybe he can fix that. If it's throwing off your back foot, maybe. Can, but it was the whole kit and caboodle for me.
2: Anybody? Yeah, point. Well, no, uh, I, think, no. I think pocket guys, when you get blitz up the middle, pocket passers, when you get blitz up the middle that aren't laterally mobile guys can, can tend to struggle. Um, and I think that is some of it. Um, like the one, the one to Ad Mitchell, I think a lot of fans are saying, why don't you step into that throw? They had a free blitz running full speed at you. There's not a lot of guys that are stepping into that one. A couple of the other ones. Yes. Uh, but there's not a lot of quarterbacks on the planet. that if a free, pretty much a free blitzers running full speed, you're going to step into that throw. Um, but yeah, he Quinn strength is in the short and intermediate game. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, and, and what's interesting to me is, uh, uh, you know, how much is, you know, Sark just pressing the field vertically for the future uh, of the schedule, Bobby? I mean, th- that may be a legitimate question there. Um, but at the end of the day, Quinn's going to be at his best in 11 personnel. Uh, uh, yeah, I agree right. with
1: that. But it's it, it Sark can help him out too. And like yep. I said, Sark, the fact that, you know, 48% of the deep balls last season came on first down. Yeah. And they were they were they were really bad last year at converting the deep pass, right? Only 27% completion percentage. They were one of the eighth worst team in the Big 12. So you're putting your, your your young quarterback behind the chains. And when you got Bijan and Rojo, you know what? No big deal. <laughs> I was like, do it, do, do what you want to do because those guys will save you most of the time. They're the training wheels in the offense. But when you don't have Bijan and Rojo, which is the case this year, and there were six deep balls in that rice game, four of them on first down. Yeah. All right. So he's this is this is this is his DNA. This is part of his character as a play caller. First of all, it makes you predictable. Uh, second of all, since your quarterback is bad at it, he's not good at it. We have enough of a sample size now to say, listen, he's got the golden arm. All right. But that, and I know it sounds you know kind of strange to say, but just because he's got the golden arm can make all the throws doesn't mean he's a great deep ball thrower in terms of the placement and the accuracy. And Sark wants to keep forcing issue. But to me, um, that's, to me, that's his flaw. That's, that's flawed logic as a play caller. KD35 the, the short... has
0: a, hey, Rod, KD35 has a good good response here. What worked last year for Quinn versus Bama was quick RPO passes and screens to playmakers. It burned Bama last year till the injury. You agree with that? Is
1: that the counter that we could probably expect this coming week? Um, I think you will get, you know, better short to intermediate play designs from Sark. Um, Bama won't play as much, I don't think, man-to-man defense as they did last year. Um, I think Bama will throw in some zones to try to make Quinn process. And the truth is, when you make them process in the Rice game, they did it too. I saw a look of three high they threw out at him and got us one of those sacks. Go check it out. Go watch it. Yeah, they've been watching the film, guys. That was a great game plan by Rice. because They watched the film and all the stuff that Robbie's been bringing up about how to attack Texas, they did a lot of it. Like I said, even on some third downs, they threw out a three-high look. That, well, I, I had seen it before that, but not a lot, and they threw it out. They tried to do it. in enough. One of the penalties on the offensive lineman was also a three-high look they threw out there, and that Texas took a little long to try to snap the ball. So it was a really good game plan by them, and trust me, Bama and Nick Saban, they will take a lot of those same concepts. They're not going to use the man-to-man defense they played predominantly in 2022, I don't think. Hey guys, I got a question
0: coming. I've got a question coming from the uh, from the inside Texas message board, real quick from BP Fire Four. Why didn't Sadir Mitchell play, Jerry? You've already addressed that earlier. Uh, How would you grade Ethan Burke's game? And can the O
2: line clean it up in one week? Ethan Uh, uh, Burke's game, guys. Hey, you know what I noticed, Rod, about Ethan Burke? We didn't talk about this a few minutes. I was on the post game. What's interesting to me about athletes is this. Ethan Burke was a lacrosse player, a great lacrosse prospect, committed to Maryland at one time, one of the top guys in the country. What is a lacrosse game? It's played on two feet mm-hmm. with a with your hands high and a six, 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 seven kid's vision, his eye lines high. He's learned to be an athlete on two feet. Okay. Not in a three point stance. His sack, he looks so much more athletic off the edge in a two point stance to me mm-hmm. yesterday. And yep. some of the, hey, that's just the fun stuff about athletics to me. He is a lacrosse guy that's come to football late. So, what is he best at on two feet in a body quickness reactive situation? He's learning to play football in a three point stance as a tall player. He's better rushing off the edge in a two point stance out. I think it also gives him a chance to use his length. And that's it's a great point. Great
1: point, Jerry. I agree one hundred percent.
2: How would
0: you grade him? I, I would give him an exactly. A. I, he wasn't just good against in pass rush. He turned a couple plays inside uh, on, uh, you know, turned a couple runs back inside of him. I thought he was good in the, against the run too.
1: Should have had two sacks too. Yeah, he had one, he had one, one and a half.
0: Rod. Yeah, he's already I mean, matched. I missed one. He's yep. matched the season high of <laughs> Ovia Gofu in one game. After <laughs> he replaced that, we we've talked about this. This is big, guys, because. Look, I mean, they have to have production out of that spot in yep. P- PK's defense. All right, uh, thanks mm-hmm. uh, for that. Uh, I don't think we got to this question here from not Tyler Is We talked a little bit about it. I felt like uh, uh, Cedric Baxter, Baxter was getting hot, if not for injury. He was going to gain 100 uh, yards yesterday. Thoughts? Jerry talked about that. Is, you know why? Am I the only one not too worried
2: about Quinn? Like, are we being overly dramatic about Quinn at this point? Uh, you know what I think makes Baxter – I think he was RB1, obviously. He has great cutback vision, guys. He has he has elite cutback vision. And, and, and I think that is a huge asset for him. And he doesn't just have cutback vision, but at 6'1", 218, 220, 6'2", 218, 220, he's got really good feet in the hole so he can see it and he can get there quick, whether – it's a jump cut, whether, you know, however he has to maneuver to get there. He's got really good cutback vision. Uh, I, I think he was definitely going for 100 yesterday. Question, though, yeah. I, I, you or Rod, I want to ask is, are you are
0: we overstating the issue with Quinn right now?
1: Uh, yeah, because game one, of course we are, right? <laughs> we got to overreact to this thing, man. We've been waiting on football for a long time, so we're going to overanalyze everything. And, of course, Sark's game plan it was not schematically giving his team an advantage, right? He didn't give his team a schematic, a schematic uh, kind of tactical, strategic advantage. We all know that now, watching the game. And I think when that is added to the mix with you know Quinn's development and progress, I think one fans just expected to see a you know a more prolific offense overall, and that didn't happen. So now a lot of the blame is on Quinn. But when I went back and watched it. Take away some of the mismanaged deep balls. We can criticize those and kind of take that uh, as a separate issue altogether. You look at his short to intermediate game, and, man, the short to intermediate game and some of the decision-making was crisp. Uh, and it's just when you throw in the deep balls and you throw in some of the pressure from the offensive line, and, and I think a lot of Longhorn fans may be overreacting to that, I think Sark will tailor this offense for Quinn Ewers to his strengths. I don't think you'll get him for – I hope you don't get him to keep force-feeding the deep ball. And if he does, then I think they'll pay the price for that. But if he doesn't, he lets it come naturally. I think Quinn will end up, you know, becoming a quarterback that can help Texas contend for a Big 12 title. I don't know what that means. But, yeah. So, I mean,
2: look, here's the thing with Quinn. 19-30 yesterday, Jonathan Brooks dropped the touchdown. They had a reverse of a call with Xavier Worthy, and I'm still not sure he didn't catch that ball.
1: The one with his legs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> I mean, so look, he now the throw to JT Sanders on the fourth, first, fourth down was maybe his worst throw of the game, honestly. He also um,
1: had one that got out of JT's head. I, when, I was
2: going to say that was the worst one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah that's three, right? Hey, it was
2: accurate, though. He hit him right there. Hey, he got in a place where only his guy could catch it in his ear hole. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, 21 to 30 with four touchdowns, and what would he have had if those two completions? I mean, you know it's a it's it's always an interesting game uh really you know PFF, whether you agree with it or not said he was 11 of 14 against the blitz that's good right. rice got took
0: he took one really bad sack though too I mean there's let, let's be clear 11 of 14 against the blitz doesn't doesn't talk about the times he got s- right. sacked necessarily right. either I want to go back to you rod and I want to say this as far as Quinn uh first One game is a data point. Two games is a trend, Mm -hmm. right? Let's see what that trend says. Ryan, let's start with you here uh, from Laws. Should Sark look to go more post routes or deep inside instead of fly routes and fades?
1: Um, He does. He has a lot of inside cuts. He has those deep rainbow crossers that he loves so much. Um, you know, he loves, There's some, you know, six cuts that he loves. And, and of course the glance routes on the RPOs, the tags, which are basically like skinny post routes. So there, there are some inside cuts. I, I, you know, I can't tell you percentages. Uh, he just, he loves, he wants the deep ball. He wants it, baby. He wants it. Okay. That's he, he's, he's jonesing for it. Right. And when he doesn't get it, we know now we've got enough of sample size. Unfortunately, Sark is going to chase the deep ball if he doesn't get it. And that can put the team in a bad situation. He's like he's like Tyrone Biggums from a uh, Chappelle show or, or Pookie from New Jack City. He's like, I got to have that deep ball, baby. Give me that deep ball. He's got to have it. And if he don't get it, man, it's going it's to be some bad things going down. That's what, that's basically what he is. <laughs> Jerry Hamilton,
0: I'm going to you here from Too Broke to pay attention. Any recruiting news, either
2: good or bad, coming from the game yesterday? Uh, Wardell Matt didn't make it in um, yesterday. Uh Zena. Was there. Yeah, Zena's going to announce on September 6th. Um, I, I don't think that's bad news for Texas, but not it, mostly 2025 guys were there. Nothing really expected uh, at this point. Uh, September 16th, Wyoming, is your big visit weekend. That's what this Texas staff is gearing towards. That's going to be Ryan Wingo. It's going to be Danny Okoye. That's going to be a bunch of other guys. That is the game where they're really uh, pushing a lot of prospects to Visit So September 16th, coming off the Bamba game, is going to be a big visit weekend in Austin. Uh, basketball go. had five, but, but basketball, they had five visitors, two official visitors. Uh, Curtis Godmore, Curtis Givens is Georgia Tech, Texas, I think. Josiah uh, uh, Jer- Mosley, I think Texas, USC. I mean, basketball might have some good news in the next couple of weeks. We'll see. Nice. All right. Uh, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, the guys
0: over at the Crossout Group. Uh, each and every Sunday night live stream is brought to you by the Crossout Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business with decades of experience ranging from the statehouse to the White House. Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www. Dot cross Oak I also want to mention uh, that right now for newcomers to inside we have a special offer going on uh, right now they're tracking how many people from YouTube sign up for inside Texas so they're giving you a special cro- promo code with an uh, with one uh, a, a special offer for newcomers only uh, otfit 23 use that promo code at inside Texas and you get two months of Inside Texas for just one dollar. That'll include all of the upcoming Alabama game content breakdowns, uh, etc. That we have going on across the board. All right, uh, let's go back here and get back to y'all's questions. We're still taking questions here for the better half of the next uh, half hour here, and let's start with David Parcell. Uh, he starts with a pretty simple question,
2: straightforward. If there were star ratings for college. Would Quinn you were still be a five-star? There's only, only two five-stars right now at quarterback. That's uh, Caleb Williams and Drake May. hmm More than likely. Yeah. I tell you, cool. those two looked really good
0: yesterday. Not, yeah. not, not, not Caleb Williams, last week for Caleb Williams,
2: or whenever it was. Oh, no, he, he went off again yesterday. Did he really? Warriors. I haven't seen right. it. Holy yeah. cow. And Drake, yeah. I thought Drake <laughs> May looked really good last night against South Carolina. Is, is, is Caleb Williams a potentially uh, – all-time quarterback prospect right now at this point. He took 40 sacks last year, or something crazy like that. I'm not. I'm not convinced yet. I think he's very good. Yeah. What do you think, Rod? On that? Uh, hey, Lincoln Rod. Riley makes those guys look really good too, guys. Oh, he, does. he does. He does. He's good. Yeah. He made Baker Mayfield look really good.
1: <laughs> he made. <laughs> no, it's a good point too about Lincoln Riley. But uh, what I love about uh, Caleb Williams' game, we talked about this too a little bit, Bobby, and I think Jerry, we talked about it too. Uh, but he, he, his. Kind of the natural athletic instincts, the second reaction yeah. plays, uh, his off script, off schedule plays, when just the play decomposes and breaks down, somebody misses a block, wide receiver, you know, runs a bad route or gets jammed in the line of scrimmage. His ability to just go off script and make something out of nothing, it's uncanny. It's an un- it really is, man. It really reminds me of guys like. Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson had that ability. There are a lot. There are some quarterbacks who just have that ability, and he is one of them. Quinn actually is not. Now it's not. A, it's not a knock on Quinn, but Quinn does. When the play breaks down and starts to decompose, Quinn usually is not going to turn that into a positive play. That based on the sample size we've seen, which means Sark needs to have him on schedule. Which, by the way, that's what Sark had at Alabama. Mac Jones was always on schedule. Uh, that was a stat that said Mac Jones went to his second read less than 15% of the time. It was money. And that's what you want Quinn to be is on schedule all the time. That's the hope that was not the case, obviously versus Rice.
0: That's what Colt McCoy was too, by the oh, way. Oh yes.
1: Yes. That's yeah. another one. Yeah, uh, he
0: he Distributor. That's what, te- that's what Texas needs at quarterback right now because the receivers are going to get open. I don't know if y'all, th- what y'all thought of the receivers as a whole, other than Adonna Mitchell's, Blocking. Loved him. <laughs> uh, yeah, other than Adonai Mitchell's blocking. Other than his was, hip I check I on fourth yeah. and one <laughs> uh, Adonai Mitchell made that – chicken wing block. <laughs> he literally made the guy, the corner look bad on that little
2: skinny – the little post. Yeah. yeah the, I he, I mean, Rod, Rod will say this better than I will. Mm. Texas has two guys that can beat Man Press and yep. A.D. Mitchell and, and Worthy. Mm. Uh, they didn't have two guys last year. That is big for Texas to have two guys that can beat Man Press to me. And then you have a guy in Jatavion Sanders at tight end position who can beat tight coverage as well. Um, so I, I think Texas has more guys that can win one-on-one matchups this year. That's hey, Gary, I want to stay with you on this. Too early, This from the Inside Texas Message Awards. Too early to think Nato Umeozulu Zulu should start? Not for me. Woo! I agree. The guy tied his shoes w- w- before he came on the field without without bending his knees. Not for me. Get him in. <laughs> <Long> <laughs> arms, aggressive nature. Uh, he's, he's a quicker athlete. He's a quicker athlete. At the end of the day, and Bobby, you nailed it in our text thread during the game, Neto and Banks on the left side give Texas a little something different in the run game. And that's going to be important as the season moves along. I'm inter- interested to see what Cole Hudson – where he's at health-wise. Look, I mean, I know there's been reports that uh, DJ Campbell's walking around fine after the game, but it's an ankle, foot. Those things tend to swell overnight. Yep. Um, And there's been some reports that he was struggling a little bit today with that. So we'll see where he's at later in the week. Hey, I want to say this. On
0: that run that that we were talking about with Neto, guys, DJ Campbell went out and it was fourth and one. Steve Sarkeesian ran right off of Neto's butt on that fourth and one. And they got the first down by a good yard, yard and a half. Yeah. That was the only fourth down
2: they converted, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so okay. keep that in mind. Jerry, right, so this one said DJ Campbell looked lost. He definitely looked like a guy. Um, um, he definitely looked like a guy starting his first college game. Mm-hmm. I, I think there was a lot moving in his peripheral. Yeah, hey, Steven Park? Scott just came in this chat. I know I went hard at Coach Prime. Yes, I was wrong. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, already – how many double, times are you going to say mea culpa, you, Jerry? he on for a decade at Under Armour right, <laughs> and stuff. Hey. Uh, how many times are you going to say you were wrong? All right, here okay, we go. I'm
0: Jimmy Trevino. Guys, didn't the defensive ones play together a lot and still didn't miss a beat? Catalan, Jay Thompson, T. Brooks, and and Ford were subbed for often. Yeah. Absolutely. Jay Thompson, Jaron Thompson, did not start the game. He was serving a little disciplinary issue. He actually played special teams but did not start uh, the game. One of the reasons why Derek Williams got in so early and did uh, Thompson did not play in the first quarter. I, I agree that even the commentator, Brock Huard, I, I re-watched the game again today. He commented that, look, Texas is running out there a lot of guys. Rod mentioned 12 Defensive lineman, mm-hmm. it was the secondary, too. We yep. saw Austin Jordan, a backup with a pick. Jalen Gilbo was out there playing star also. Uh, we saw Leonga LaFalle. I mean, the list goes on and on. Michael Taft, Keaton Crawford, Derek mm-hmm. Williams at safety. I mean, they they were playing a lot of guys yesterday.
2: Yeah. They uh, they hey, somebody good. just mentioned Trill Carter. Trill had a knee brace on, and you can tell he wasn't 100% when he had to turn and pursue uh, so we need to kind of check. He obviously had something nagging injury on that knee, but he was wearing a big brace. And, and I think that's kind of why he didn't play as much, because when he had to turn and pursue, he had a little hitch in the giddy up.
1: Yeah, but I All agree. Right. The depth was impressive, though. I, I, that was the first thing. We talked about it initially after my rewatch, the the depth on defense, the amount of guys they played without a drop off right? You expected rice to make some plays here and there because they were going against guys who were being, going to be backups or guys who may even third team. That was not much of a drop off at all, especially on the defensive front.
0: All right. Let's, uh, Justin Yarbrough has a super chat for us guys. How do you think the offensive line meeting and offense meeting will go tomorrow? Have y'all watched any of the Bama game yet? They started slow as well, but seemed pretty common for a few teams this week. Uh, I, I, I don't know exactly how the OL meeting will go other than Kyle Flood will say, this is this stunt, don't do it again and don't turn your head. They're they're turning, look, I'm not an offensive line coach, okay? You can't literally turn your head all the way and neglect the backside. It's just like you have to use your, Jerry used the word periphery, earlier peripheral. You have to have your head on a swivel, but really just stays like this. You don't go all the way. You never commit because you don't know what's coming. Backside, Jake Majors did that a couple times yesterday and left the backside guard one-on-one with the rusher free uh, free go. And that's, that's where a lot of that stuff came from. Majors has got to pass people off better and keep his helmet unengaged or disengaged,
2: in my yeah, opinion. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Dude, you got to stay square, and you got to have peripheral vision playing guard. Mm-hmm. It, it, you don't stay and center. Square. You don't stay square, you're dead in the water, man. I don't know what to say. <laughs> hey,
1: did yeah. y'all watch
0: Bama?
2: Because I did watch that uh, today. Uh, did
0: anybody watch that?
1: I have not, not watched them yet. I'm gonna watch them. But at uh, one point on the old line, though, on those sacks, any of those sacks, they never sent more men. They never outnumbered the o line. They never sent more defenders than the o line could block. Not one, not one time that I can. I, I can thought, count. I just thought they attacked the guards. They did. They now there that that, that that was something they did but they never outnumbered they, them. They just they knew they were attack. Yeah. yeah. They
0: they <laughs> tricked I'm telling you it wasn't just the guards. It's Jake Majors too, guys. Yeah. He was leaving those guys one on one. You yeah, can't Davis. do that on a free rush. A guard can't he's, he can't be deep enough against a free rush from 4 yards away.
1: Hey, Kelvin Banks gave up a sack too. Oh, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, so it it it, can, it confuses all of them. <laughs> and the guard
0: and the guard pushed inside for no right. reason. Yeah, and I mean, that, that's what I would say to y'all. y'all. I mean, I think it's it, it's an issue if they don't use their peripheral vision uh, yeah. altogether. Uh, all right, let's talk about uh, this other piece—the Alabama stuff that we just mentioned. I did watch a little bit of that game. Actually, watched all of it now, so I'm happy to say that I did. Jalen uh is a very interesting player to me. The former Texas commit now the starter for Alabama. He is, if if I were to describe him as a similar player, the player he most reminds me of is Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. Interesting. He is, Jalen Hurts was not real good kind of uh, in college, kind of picking through his reads, but he was a phenomenal runner, an extraordinarily strong runner, Mm-hmm. And boy, when he would let the ball go, it it, it would rip. hmm. Very, very similar players, in my opinion.
1: Bobby, that's yeah. interesting. You bring that up. Great minds think alike. <laughs> I'll tell you what I did this morning when I got up. You know what I watched? What game I watched? I watched the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'll tell you why. I went because I, I was thinking. I was like, man, I was thinking about Bama. I was thinking about Bama, and I was thinking about Jalen Milrow. And I went, cause I was thinking like you, I was like, man, honestly, kind of reminds me of Jalen Hurts. Went back and watched the Super Bowl for the, the express purpose of watching Jalen Hurts out of empty formation. Listen to me, people. Listen to me good. In empty formation in the Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts. You want to know the numbers? Dude, it was unbelievable. Cause I went and looked, I was like, man, I thought I remembered him really doing a lot of it. He was uh, six of seven on passes but that ain't really, really hurt him. He had uh, five rushes <laughs> and three of them went for 10, 13, 27 yards. He had a touchdown run also out of that in short yardage. Basically out of empty formation in that game, hell they probably should have done it more. They ended up with 12 plays total, 8.2 yards per play for the Eagles out of empty formation. Last season. All right. Last season, go back and watch that Bama game. You know how they end up beating Texas. Do anybody remember the adjustment? What Bill O'Brien did? Empty formation in the second half, over and over and over and over and over again. Texas couldn't figure it out. It was the one concept they couldn't figure out. They couldn't solve. You know the mo- you w- anybody want to know the one concept that worked for Rice versus Texas? Anybody? 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 Empty formation. Empty shallow crosser. Boom, baby, I'm telling you right now, it ain't rocket science, all right? I guarantee you that Nick Saban in Alabama going to run empty formation and they're going to let Texas decide whether they want to put a spy on Jalen Murrow. If they do, then you're going to leave everybody across the board one-on-one and then let him kind of pick and choose. And your spy better be damn good because just like Jalen Hurts, if he's in the open field and he ain't good, he gonna make a miss and get extra yards. It is the most stressful formation for a defense in any level of football, especially with a dual threat quarterback. And I you're gonna see it. So that's you go football theory will dive deeper. <laughs> but there you go.
0: All right, Rod. Uh, here, here's from Texas Boy. I think the McCoy Shipley spoiled us at least. I was expecting something close to close to their execution. Deep ball is just not going to happen. Don't give up entire hopes uh, just yet, but I will say uh, that that first showing by Quinn in the deep ball uh, was lacking at the very least, Texas boy. Uh, Hey, this one's from Jerry, Jerry for you, from Brandon Huey. Jerry, great meeting you yesterday. My son thought you were the coach. (laughs) Heard Adonai Mitchell was a little upset on the sideline. Any truth to that? How can you keep all these receivers
2: happy? Um, well, th- great to meet you yesterday as well. Hey, by the way, ran into, I don't know, 40, 50 people, some of them beyond here right now that listen to OTF. Man, that was awesome to see everybody. Took uh, took photos of some of you guys, took photos of some of you guys. It's in our community. Uh, we uh, Bobby posted some photos, but great seeing everybody yesterday on Bevo Boulevard and walking around the stadium. Thank you for y'all's continued support. I've not heard if AD was a little upset on the sideline. I mean, maybe somebody got after him on the fourth down block. I, I don't know. Um, but uh, I don't think keeping these guys happy uh, will be an issue this year. Um, I, I think uh, – now, I, I do think what's interesting, though, guys, is this whole running clock on first down. It's definitely condensing games. It's definitely condensing games. Uh, players are getting less opportunities. No doubt. No doubt. Hey, uh, Rod, you mentioned the spy. Rick
0: Ambergay wants to know, who is the spy for Texas when Bama runs empty, Rod? Uh,
1: you know, Jalen, Jalen Ford could do it. Um, you know, you can put one of DBs on him if you want. You can put a – I mean, I, I, I'd trust one of the DBs on him if you want to put a – maybe Jaron Thompson or Catalan on him to bring drop those guys down. That would work. I think you got to change it up. I don't think he would be the same person every time. If he identifies the same person every time, they'll run what they call – Uh, they're kind of uh, these, um, spy beaters where they basically run a a receiver or a running back right behind the spy. And basically you can influence the spy as a quarterback. You can just kind of, you know, you know, influence him by, uh, you know, a couple of, you know, shuffles to the left or to the, to the right, uh, he moves and then boom, you can hit that window that opens up right behind him because he's obviously spying you. Uh and they so they have spy beaters, so you gotta change it up. Can't be the same spy every time. But you got no, you got enough athleticism. I'm not worried about that for Texas. Um, I just worried about an open field, every everybody's human. You're gonna miss a tackle and miss a tackle with guys like that. When you're in man-to-man coverage playing against you know, everybody, uh five receivers out on riots, that can be really, really stressful on a defense. I I like
2: what Rod said about DBs. It's like Jalen Ford, I think, is too valuable in coverage. Mm-hmm. I think he's too much of a playmaker. He is the probably the best playmaker until Jalen Catalan starts making plays. Um, I, a lot of people on the chat have said Anthony Hill. That's a lot to put on a freshman. And I want Anthony Hill in attack mode. I yeah. want Anthony Hill in attack mode I'll and not him. and not having to think, think, think. I want him attacking if it's mm-hmm. me. I like what Rod said. I like I like the safeties. Yeah. I like the safety spine on, on, on Milrow. All, all right. I'm going
0: to tell you all I don't like the safeties. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and, and, no, I'm going to tell you why, though, too. <laughs> they are a physical mismatch for Jalen or for uh Jalen Milrow. Okay. People just like you don't understand how big Jalen Hurts is until you try to tackle him. How strong he is. Yes. I'm telling you now, Jalen Milrow is a house. He's a little bit of a tank. Jaron Thompson, that is not a good matchup for him. It's not a good matchup for Jade Barron. I, I was thinking somebody more like David Benda. To be honest mm. with you, or potentially, this is where it's kind of bad. You'd like to see, you'd have liked to see somebody like Mo Blackwell. Yeah. Uh, that's he's, he's out.
1: Yeah. That's a nice one right there. That'd be perfect, actually. One I'll of tell you another point.
0: one. My, if you do have a safety for me that's going to spy, I would use Derek Williams. It's Ooh. that kind of size, guy. That's outside the box. He's, he is a big, dude now that's a lot to put on the freshman. Now I know it is Rod. I'm just trying to tell you I, th- that is not a good matchup. Even though Jalen Catalan is a striker and gets to people pretty quick and smart. I don't know if that's a good matchup for him either. It's uh, I'm highly impressed with Milrose physical ability. Yeah. Uh, let's put it that way. All right. Hook them in uh, Virginia. Are the DBs good enough to match up man to man with Alabama? If they go empty they Good question, Alabama hit three deep balls. Uh, Against yeah, middle Tennessee.
1: Yeah, I think they are because empty, you got to understand the ball's gonna come out quick. Uh, Texas defensive line will be able to at least disrupt the quarterback. He won't be sitting back there all day with deep developing routes out of empty. It'll come out quick. His uh his, his, his time clock will be sped up too. So I think you know the DVs should be able to hold up. Just in you're talking about that formation now. You're talking about just holding up in coverage. I would think the Texas DVs would should be a strength, and a lot of those guys are veterans that they would be able to hold up, they're gonna Obviously, Bama's gonna win their fair share. Um, but if you're telling me that Texas DBs would be where Alabama's gonna try to exploit and attack, um, I mean, right now that's probably more likely than the run game because the run game looks su- the deep rush defense looks superb. <laughs> I mean, I even when I, against Alabama, I would take Texas rush defense. Um, so the pass defense is probably where they're gonna try to attack. So we'll see if those corners can hold up in coverage.
0: Alabama, I will say this, guys. In what I saw, Alabama receivers can really run. Yeah. Uh, It's not so much that they're great receivers at this point. They're not the technician, say, of a Donai Mitchell or a Xavier Worthy, but they can really run. So they're not going to have a problem getting open if it's extended time in the pocket. And he can extend plays. And that guy
1: can extend plays. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Bama had interior line problems as well. I agree with that, Jimmy. Uh, milroe is an athlete, but his passing still showed to be suspect. Sometimes Jalen Hurts' passing showed to be suspect. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, no Gibbs at empty isn't the same. We'll see. I agree uh, with that. Jameer Gibbs was tremendous. So was Bryce Young. Uh, when, they went, when they when they ran that arrow route last year with Jameer Gibbs uh, from uh, from Bryce Young, I was like, that's a backbreaker because you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to guard that with those two guys all right Uh, let's keep going here a a little bit more uh we don't there's a couple other things that that i want to ask one of them is off the inside texas message boards real quick uh and rod you had a good summation of this last night why did our o-line struggle so much against rice after facing our elite d-line
1: all spring and fall (laughs) <laughs> that's good um, well I just think it was great game planning by the coaches they and uh, we've talked about it you know I went back and watched all the 19 sacks they gave up last season and uh, you go back and look at them and Dave Aranda and Baylor did the best job and it was really simulated pressures anytime you can force that offensive line to have to pass off defenders in pass protection and have to communicate post snap all right uh, and that just post snap that's when they're exposed and that's what Dave Aranda exposed for his pressure packages, and I went and looked at it. Out of the five sacks, I think Baylor had, uh, three of those sacks were simulated pressures. Uh, four of the five were amoeba fronts and are simulated pressures. So now the, the listen, the blueprint's out, right? Everybody's going to copy that blueprint now. That's that's standard football. You have a weakness. Everybody gets that that, that blueprint. And goes all right. That's how that team attacked Texas. Hey, Rod, why that would Texas you change
2: it until it's solved? Why would you do anything else until it, it's proven? Texas proves they can beat it. I wouldn't. I, exactly.
1: <laughs> and I went back and looked at the uh, the Alabama game from last season, and uh, Alabama had, if I'm not mistaken, they had three sacks. If I'm not mistaken, and two of those were simulated pressures. So they were already on to it. They were doing it before Dave. Hell, Dave Aranda might have figured it out from Nick Saban in Alabama. <laughs> and then he took it to another level and now rice using it and rice using it then everybody's got the blueprint so yes trust me nick saban like you said jerry he might just that might just be all he does the whole damn game until they figure it out
2: all right by, by the way somebody asked if texas wins what would that how would that impact recruiting uh, obviously it'd be huge for recruiting it's massive for recruiting if texas Goes to Alabama and wins. I, I want to give fans the stats. I put a store in Inside Texas today. Since 2013, Alabama 67 and 2 at home. 67 and 2, Rod. Whew. The last four games they've lost at home, you know who the three of those starting quarterbacks were? Cam Newton, Johnny Manziel, and Joe Burrow. Heisman, Heisman, Heisman. Come on down, down, down. Uh, <laughs> the fourth was Ole Miss, who went on probation. And there's a lot of reasons for that in those games. Um, so it wow. would be a massive win for recruiting. Massive Ooh. win for recruiting. By the way, Alabama's played 24 ranked opponents at home in the Nick Saban era. They are 20 and four in those games. People, a lot of people, have been talk, uh, talking about you know Texas scoring 35, 40 in that game. I don't know after this weekend, but two weeks ago, people were thinking that Alabama's average giving up 18.7 to a ranked opponent at home in 24 Ooh. games. Now LSU got them for forty six with Joe Burrow. That team was on fire. Cam Newton only scored twenty eight at Bama and Auburn. Twenty
1: eight. Yeah. That was a comeback. He was a so one
2: man machine like Vince Young was, and he scored yeah. and only scored twenty eight. Wow. Um, so that's just some numbers for everybody. had not lost at home at night since twenty fifteen to Ole Miss right before the uh, Tunzel family got them on probation. Uh, but it, so sixty seven and two since twenty thirteen. So yes, it would be massive for recruiting.
0: Mm. All right, Doug, we've got time for about five to six more questions. First, I want to say thank you uh, to our sponsor each and every uh, Sunday night. The live stream is brought to you by the guys at the Cross Oak Group. Cross Oak is one of the leading government affairs firms in Texas, specializing in lobbying, political communications, business development, and regulatory compliance. These days, government finds ways to impact nearly every aspect of your business. With decades of experience, ranging from the Statehouse to the White House, Cross Oak Group helps its clients hedge risk and protect and grow their bottom lines. To learn more, go to www.CrossOakGroup.com. That's www.CrossOakGroup.com. They are good friends of the program. Hey, I've got one for you. This is from Paxton. I called it Tivondre Sweat Big Year. He showed out yesterday, uh, a fourth down stop, a lot of pressure up the middle. I tell you what, he's getting the idea of giving it 110% for 25 to 30 plays a game, as opposed to trying to only give it 110% for 10 to 15 plays, and then give it uh, the old college try the other, you know, Mm -hmm. 20, 25 or so. I think think he's learning how to play in spurts at a high level better, and they're going to be able to do that this year, we hope. With the depth.
1: I think it's trust too. It's trust. And I've heard uh Sartre talk about this a little bit and reference it that the coaches will spell you when you need it, right? You just go give hundred and fifty-five percent on every damn play. And when you need some rest, we'll give it to you. We'll get I'll find you, I'll find you a spot to get some rest. You should make sure you give me everything you got, empty the damn tank for me. And I saw I saw a lot of D linemen doing that. Cause I think now they know that also Keon J. Coburn said it last season too. He's like, Hey man, I don't get a lot of reps because we, we're platooning that interior D line because we got so much talent. He's like, So I got to make sure when I'm out there, I, I make I make an impact. I got to make some, some big plays when I get out there. Uh, hell, my, my reps may dwindle a little bit. And to Sweat, guys, he wants to be the lead dog on a line full of dogs with <laughs> guys like Byron Murphy and others. And if he can demand a double team, guys, consistently where teams have to devote two old linemen to block Tavondre Sweat, and then also, hell, you got to worry about Byron Murphy, too. That's 3-0 linemen to block two Texas D linemen. You win the numbers game initially off top in of every contest this season if those guys can play like that. All right, got some
0: a lot of uh, Quinn, yours, questions. I'm going to put them all together a little bit. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, this, is, this is a good yeah. group, I think. Yeah. Mark Schnell, did Texas run a spread play before Malik went in? In other words, was Texas holding something back? Does Sark need to simpli- simplify the playbook for Quinn? That's from Nigel Robertson. Bobby Brown with another question. Why not just throw more RPOs? Mm. Rod, that's a group, Jerry. That's a group of questions. They're all interesting in different ways, but all get back to the sim- singular point of people didn't like a lot of what they saw from Quinn Ewers yesterday. I think that the deep balls rang too familiar, the early three and out or four and out too familiar. Would y'all agree with the, the little bit of that dazed deer and headlight look with the rush, the pass rush, a little too familiar for folks with folks. They're having PTSD from a year ago. Right. I mean, that's so, so what does Texas do about it? I mean, what's the answer there, Rod or Jerry, either one.
1: Go Jerry, you got, it if you, if uh, that's, that's a thoughtful <laughs> question, you got take some time. <laughs>
2: Um, look, I think uh, I, I think Quinn. I thought Texas had more success on RP when they went with more RPOs in I the second too. half of that game, for sure. Um, I, I, I'm not. My issue with my issue with Quinn is it's more of the reactionary quickness when he has to move laterally, is my thing with him. Like he's not a bad athlete when he can just move forward, but if he has to start reacting to things in his peripheral and make lateral movements. I think he's a little slow there. And, and that is an issue for a pocket passer because when you can't step up into the pocket, and I know people said, just step up when you're going to throw it deep. If there's a free blitzer coming at you, Brett Favre isn't stepping right into that guy, okay? You're, I mean, no, nobody's stepping in to get their sternum knocked out of their body again. Um, but I, I think the thing is, it's the it's the lack of – ability to quickly move laterally and play around the rush and still Mm -hmm. deliver the ball i i that to me is is an issue for quinn um right now that he's gonna have to improve on uh especially with the the hopes at the next level because those guys are bigger stronger and faster coming at you
1: yeah he's just not a natural great deep ball uh thrower but that doesn't necessarily mean that he can't be a uh, a really good quarterback and end up being an all conference quarterback and potentially a guy that can be up for national awards. You just got to construct that offense and and build the play calling and the play design around his strengths. And the, I think the D ball will come. And we, it's not like we haven't seen him complete a D ball. I think they'll right. come. I think when you force it, and I do think it's being forced a little bit. I agree. I think then it, it it hurts his ability to get into a rhythm. And I would like to see him in a rhythm, get him in a groove, because when he gets in a groove, man, it starts to look, his game starts to look really pretty. Uh, that's like that Oklahoma game, right, in a groove, in a rhythm. I think all the other stuff will come. I think Sark knows that. I think that's what you're going to see in the Alabama game, all right? If you don't see it, then Texas will lose that game. <laughs> uh, and they'll get beaten pretty soundly if we see the Quinn that we saw versus Rice. But I don't think you're going to see that Quinn. And more RPOs, no I think I did see more RPOs, honestly, than – I saw last season, just on average with the eye test. It's really hard to judge RPOs too. I mean, you got to do a lot of detail because it's based off the numbers in the box and if you have the numbers advantage. But I thought I saw more RPOs just throwing it out there. And I agree, more, even more of them, because that's kind of a combination of the quick game and the run game too.
0: All right, speaking with Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers of Inside Texas on Texas Football and on three, uh, we're all sitting here talking about the, the Longhorns 37-10 to victory over Rice uh, yesterday. The Longhorns with a big game coming up against Alabama this coming weekend. Uh, Guys, Bama is favored by seven. Okay? You think that's a fair line right now? I mean, it's not really for us to say whether it's fair. Vegas says whether it's fair. Uh, If y'all had to reconnoiter based on what you saw yesterday, any change in your preseason prediction now?
2: Yeah, I I said two weeks ago thirty one twenty four uh, Texas. Um, yeah, I would change that to what Jerry. Um, mm. Let's see. 24-17 Bama. Mm. Got it. I, I just I, I have to the offensive line and Pass Pro is going to have to prove it to me. Because right. I, I've said all, I've said it for months. This is an offensive line game for Texas. The offensive line has to play at a high level. If they don't – and I'm not saying that's Kyle Flood, by the way, at all. But if the offensive line doesn't play at a high level in this game, they're not going to win.
1: Jerry, well, I, let me ask yep,
2: you. You have, you, have, you, have, you have a thought on
1: that? Well, no, I was just I, – I agree with Jerry. I mean, I had him – I had Bam uh, beating Texas 28-26. I think now I'd add – yeah, I'd add another – I'd add a field goal to that right now, so – Uh, Maybe I don't have them scoring more, but I have Texas scoring 23 now. Maybe it's still 26, maybe 28, 23. Um, And I'm kind of with Jerry. I just think that there's a really good blueprint and game plan to discombobulate that offensive line in passing situations. And all you got to do is get Texas in a passing situation, which I think Bama can do. (laughs) Um, And because the running game is still kind of, you know, in its – it's it's in its infancy phase, figuring out post Bijan and Rojo. I think Bama will take advantage of that, get uh, Texas in predictable pass situations, and that's when LT off, and that's when they haven't solved these problems. They're gonna come back to haunt them.
0: Uh, Rod, the question: I, I'm sticking at 2017, guys. By the way, yeah. I, I still think that this is that. Let me ask you this: What does a three-high safety defense look like against Bama if Texas were to deploy that? Is that a way to control? milrow and make him a little more uh i don't know hesitant uh, make yeah. him make decisions yeah can texas deploy a defensive front though to to make that work that that's would be a question
1: that would be that's a guess that may be football theory you might dive into that ian and i because we <laughs> talked about whether you know texas believes they have three starting safeties uh you actually could use some of those principles uh, Dan Quinn uses more than anybody in the NFL and we know him and Steve Sarkeesian sometimes have think tank sessions about football um, because of that they have known Atlanta staff. So that's a, that's a good point. I mean, usually it's known as a spread neutralizer, but I love it as a changeup Rice used it guys. I have it in my notes. One of those sacks go back and look at, it. I, I can give you the damn number the sack and everything. <laughs> they used it. Uh, it was 3:29 in the second quarter. Go check it out. First and 10, go watch it. That's where and basically it was that was a sack because I don't know. Quinn didn't kind of recognize the coverage and they used three high on Rice used it. Everybody's using it now. Everybody, you at least need to have it as a change up. It may not be something you major or minor in, but if you don't run it in some in some aspect, just as a change of pace, honestly, I I, I think you're doing yourself – it's a disadvantage. You're putting yourself at a disadvantage because in this new era of football, it's given a lot of teams a schematic advantage in terms of their pre-snap disguise because a lot of teams, a lot of quarterbacks haven't seen these looks. They just haven't been around very long. So I think Alabama, honestly, might break it out versus Texas a couple of times. Why wouldn't they? Why would it we- work? It's
0: worked. Hey, Why you we- said 329 in the first quarter, just so I got that right? I think it was first and
1: 10 – second quarter. In the second quarter. Okay, I'll go look. Euro, that. They threw I, a three, they threw a three high, three down in there, and it was it was nice. Hey they guys,
0: I want to end with this tonight. I think Isaac Darden. Uh and and while there were no quote unquote heroes from uh, Saturday night because they were playing rice. Um, I think we all need to tip our cap to Jaden Blue. Uh play B- from Isaac uh, Darden, play blue more, and the running game will open up. I thought, Jerry and Rod, that he actually ran with desire, I guess is the right word, right? He he clearly, not that Jonathan Brooks and Cedric Baxter and the rest of them didn't. Jaden Blue looked like he was out there to prove something to people last night or yesterday afternoon. Y'all agree with that? And, and whoever, maybe after that, who were some of the other guys that you felt put in? good Yeoman-like performances?
2: Well, I think these are always interesting discussions. Look, I think Jaden Blue's a really good space player. Um, But when guys come in late and the team team you're playing has been worn down at that point in time, you can look explosive and you're not playing against Alabama. And you're not running up inside against Naheem Otis and Tim Smith and all those guys. So there is a difference there. Um, But for Jaden Blue to get on the field more, it sounds like Sark's going to have to trust him in pass pro. Because it, it, when you don't mention him and you mention three other guys in a press conference, then you got some work to do in pass pro for those guys to trust you. Yeah,
0: and I think that went out the window when Cedric Baxter went down because they weren't going to get Jonathan Brooks banged up in a game that they already had uh, a three-score three, three score lead in, right? Any other guys that, that had yeoman-like performances for you all? Uh,
1: uh, I, I, I do like Jaden Blue, though. Um, he, he's got a burst man he's got a burst uh once he to gets him to the second level and got great vision too um so I think they found nothing they actually played some two uh 21 personnel two back sets um and, and they did it with Jaden blue on the field too um after Cedric Baxter went down so um I think sorry likes he likes the running backs I just don't think he knows what role each running back's gonna play in the you know the running back by committee uh, but uh, so I, I thought that was good uh workman like performances from other guys and Honestly, they played so many guys. It's it's tough to say a (laughs) work-to-life performance, but hey, they played so many of them. Byron Murphy.
2: Byron Murphy didn't put up a lot of stats, but did his job really well. He was playing in the fourth
1: quarter, too. I was shocked to see that.
2: Yeah. He was Um, playing deep
1: in the fourth quarter.
2: Yeah. uh, I would say, who else would you put put in that category? Um, I like
0: Ethan Burke did a good job. Um, I thought Jaron Thompson came in, played well. There weren't, you know – you're look when you ask about questions like that. You're thinking about guys like Jordan Whittington, maybe that aren't the top line guys at that position, right? They're not uh, Mitchell or Worthy. Um, and, and Jordan did play a, play a good, have a good game, but uh, it didn't have his best game as a Longhorn by any any stretch or anything like that. You're looking for a guy like Gunner Helm, but I think Helm and uh, Mitchell uh, both got crossed uh, their wires crossed
2: on, on a block on fourth and one. Uh, You know, I don't know. Uh, We'll see. I got a question for Rod. Would you play more bare front against Alabama and maybe then try to scheme back some burnt dropping in coverage every now and again, even Sorrell? Would you Mm -hmm. play more bare front against Bama? Would that contain Milrow?
1: I think you got to change it up. I I think the thing of Milrow is, because what I've heard is he is – prone to you know make bad decisions with the football if you can confuse them and create a lot of chaos so the answer is yes but i also i would throw a ton of different looks at them i really would like you said sometimes the, you know the safety should be the spy linebacker should be the spy um hell sometimes i'd have two on both sides <laughs> uh that's kind of spying them I, I would do a lot of different things to try to confuse and i would blitz the hell out of them sometimes too Cause I also heard that he freaks out and I want to see him freak out if he sees the blitz. All
0: right, guys, two final questions here. Uh, it looks like our comments really from Justin Yarbrough. It looks like Quinn needs one more year, you know, again, one data point at this point, not a trend. Uh, and it. then this final one, I think this heads us in uh, to the new week. Todd Lacey, Texas D is getting ready to show the country. They are the real deal, bet. They are confident going into Tuscaloosa uh todd and the rest of longhorn nation the Longhorn's going to need to be good on d to go in and get the win in tuscaloosa no, no doubt. doubt about that no doubt. all right, all right. Uh, guys thank y'all so much for for joining us here uh go enjoy the florida state uh, lsu game uh if you get a chance i want to say thank you to all the guys that gave us the super chat i don't have all the lists but rich thompson dave parcell tyler ruiz uh justin yarbo brandon huey J- uh jay trevino uh, we appreciate you guys appreciate uh, you more than you know. Yeah, you. All right. Uh, give us a chance. And if you're not already subscribed to our videos, please just like and subscribe and you'll be good to go. Thanks again also to the Crossout Group. For Jerry Hamilton and Rod Babers, I'm Bobby Burton, and we'll see you tomorrow.
1: Welcome.